guys, and welcome to Be Heard Talk, an award-winning talk show that adds a taste of hip-hop, a side of Shakur, and spice to unflavored news. Each Sunday, we discuss race, politics, and culture from an unapologetic perspective, and we give you the opportunity to be heard. So leave your comments on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and we will read them throughout this show. And I know you guys have a lot to say because I've seen the comments. My name is Selena Hill, and I'm the founder of Be Her Talk and the deputy digital editor at Black Enterprise. And I'm super excited to be here with you all to discuss everything from the biggest stories of the week, like Georgia's new Jim Crow voter suppression bill, to Chet Hanks' declaration that 2021 is, and I quote, white boy summer. Okay. Later on in the show, we'll unpack Derek Jackson's cheating scandal and how this ties into toxic masculinity and the black church featuring Be Heard Talk's very own Stanley Fritz. Please support be Her Talk by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash beherdtalk. Your support through a small donation will help us continue to support and amplify the issues that you care about. Now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest hosts for today's show, starting with Enkwa Asanye, who is a sportscaster and social commentator. He hosts Award Tour, the podcast, a show that covers the intersections of race, culture, and sports. And he is a renowned play-by-play broadcaster. How's it going, Inqua? Selena, thanks for having me. And uh, usually I'm more loquacious than this, but I'm just ready to get started. You aren't the only ones who are ready to get started. I see everybody already in the comments chiming in. We are going to unpack Derek Jackson. Just give us some time. That's later on in the show. So keep sticking in, uh, tuning in. So uh, without further ado, we are also joined by Kay Asamvito, who is a Bronx-bred storyteller with a love for Black culture, hip-hop, food, and network, and New York. Love that, love that. You have seen him on Revolt. You have seen him on Double XL. And now you see him here on Be Heard Talk. How's it going, Kai? Thank you for having me. First, first and foremost, um, it's, it's great. I'm excited and I'm, I'm ready to jump into things. Okay. Well, now that we are ready, we are going to start things off with the news roundup. Again, this is the segment where we talk about some of the biggest and most impactful stories of the week, the things that made you laugh, cry or basically just go on a Twitter rant and like almost get deleted. So we're going to start off with the historic and notorious bill that was passed in Georgia. Last week, Georgia's Governor Brian Kemp signed a voter suppression law that will dramatically roll back access to the ballot box in the nation's most hotly contested battleground state. The law, which is the latest Republican effort to resurrect the Jim Crow era in an effort to steal elections, literally, and get this, criminalizes people who hand water to thirsty voters waiting in line. Now, the law also imposes new voter identification requirements for absentee ballots. It empowers state officials to take over local election boards, and it limits the use of ballot drop boxes. Now the Republican governor signed the bill while surrounded by a half a dozen white men in front of a painting of a slave plantation, which you, which you see right now. 
Meanwhile, while he was signing this bill with his all-white posse, a black female Georgia lawmaker, Rep. Park Cannon, was arrested for knocking on the door of the governor to try to watch him sign the bill. She was charged with two felonies for obstruction of law enforcement and disruption of the General Assembly. End quote. What was your reaction and what message is the GOP governor sending about race and human rights in the American South through this law? The sad part about all this is that I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, particularly in Georgia, the GOP has been very, very unabashed about restricting any sort of access to voters who are not guaranteed to vote in the way that they see fit. The message that they send, as always, is it's our state. We do what we want when we want. Anything that you do will always be held to a different standard. And like I said, as disheartening as it is, it's not surprising to me at all. It really isn't. It, it's not surprising. It is sad. I know a Michael R. Haysler just left a comment via LinkedIn. He says, my birth state may still be a slave state. And I mean, honestly, that is what it's looking like. Kai, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, what was your reaction? And do you think these voter suppression tactics will actually be successful in helping Republicans win elections? Um, yes, to answer your question, yes, I do believe it will help. Um, it helps because it, like, I, I just read that, like, uh, 13, in, like, 2000, about 13% of, like, black males couldn't vote due to, like, um, either previous felonies or, like, not paying certain fines, those kind of things. So just think about that's 13% of black men. If they find other ways, um, and some of the, the way the ways that, uh, that are going to be restricted is, um, uh, voting, uh, ballot boxes rather, uh, can't be placed in certain areas. Um, and who controls that? Uh, the, 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 um, uh, the Georgia, the, the government in Georgia, the governor, Brian Kemp and his team. Um, so I, and, and to answer your question, yes, I do believe that it will impact and it will allow, um, uh, Republicans or whomever decides to, um, cause I say that cause Trump might be uh, starting his own, um, uh, uh um, his own party soon so who knows the, the, the trump party might also take these tactics and wonderful but it will be helpful in, in our pushing their agenda well we're definitely gonna have to see how this plays out Darrell d west left a comment via facebook she says slave state showing your id is making you a slave so it's way deeper than this like you're clearly gaslighting and, and, and simplifying this these laws disproportionately hurt and target voters of color which overwhelmingly vote democrat those are what the statistics are showing because it's being extensive it's an overreach and it's basically trying to intimidate people from going to the polls so there's there's no there's no argument or disparity there um and Kwa, i want to get your reaction to that and also you know you know stacy abrams is allegedly thinking about running again um and for for georgia uh for governor in georgia and i think like 2022 do you think these type of tactics will help her lose the election we've seen it happen in georgia before in fact her first run to the governorship involved the then governor brian kemp throwing out thousands of votes that would have gone her way even some of the new laws that were passed involved no voting on sundays 
and made it illegal to hand out water on very long lines to the polls. And it was covered nationwide in the lead up to the November election. The fact that voting machines in predominantly urban, low income black neighborhoods, there were always limited access. And you are also dealing with a population that's being told, hey, guess what? If you don't come to work, you don't have a job. They continue to stack the deck and then ask why people are so upset. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of being upset, um, Natalie Turner from LinkedIn left a comment. She said, is there no faith in the power of our votes? Black Georgia voters are making moves to still show up. You're right, Natalie. Black voters in Georgia are still showing up and being defiant. My point is that they shouldn't have to go through such extreme measures. I mean, like the water thing to criminalize those type of people. That's basically a scare tactic to show like, hey, if you make one wrong move at the voting booth or, you know, when you're lining up, you can go to jail. So, you know, this is definitely a story um, that we're going to have to continue to watch and pay attention to. Shout out to all of the um, organizations that are suing the state and doing any and everything possible to make sure that voting rights are no longer being restricted in Georgia. Um, with that said, we actually gonna just keep things moving because we need to talk about Shet Hanks. Like what is your boy doing? First of all, don't ever associate him with me. <laughs> I know it's my first show and all, but I, th that's just not fair. So for those who are new to what's been going on, uh, the 30 year old actor and star of the Showtime series, Your Honor, declared on his Instagram post that quote, white boy summer would be coming upon us. Of course, it's not enough that last year he decided to use a fake Jamaican Patois accent. Oh no, he decided to take it a step further. Don't take my word for it, let's go to the clip. Hey guys, um, look, I just wanted to tap in really quick. I just got this feeling, man, um, that this summer is, uh, it's about to be a white boy summer, you know, take it how you want. I'm not talking about like Trump, uh, you know, NASCAR type white. I'm talking about, you know, you know, me, um, John B, Jack Harlow type white boy summer. You know what I mean? Let me know if you guys, uh, can vibe with that and, uh, Get ready, you know, because I am. And it's not enough that he had the audacity or even the cockacity to say what he said. It's the fact that he put himself in company he has no business being in. See, at least John B. told us they don't know. Jack Harlow told us what's popping. All this dude gave us was the worst unseasoned type of commentary white privilege just everything bad please cut it out i'd love to get everyone else's thoughts on this first of all obviously i thought chet was trolling like when i saw the video i'm just like he, he's not serious like sir it's been white boy summers for the last 400 plus years you guys are white males with all the privilege in the world what else do you want? So I, I can't tell what, what Chet is doing. Like, all I know is that I remember, and this was after he was speaking Patois and had a lot of us really upset because he just keeps, you know, he's a culture vulture. He just keeps appropriating the culture. Then he came on Clubhouse to try to redeem himself. And you know, as black folks, a lot of us are very forgiving. So I remember being in the rooms and they were like, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Chet is, does not deserve an invite to the cookout. 
he's the same person that was using the N-word back in 2015. Like he thinks he's down and he thinks he's cool, but he's not. And we need to put him back in his place. And I, I feel like Twitter has been putting him in his place. He's been getting roasted uh, since he made the comments. <laughs> it's just sad though, because it seems, I'm starting to believe more and more, Selena, that this was sort of a troll. It's the engagement. It's trying to make black Twitter especially sort of give them more clicks and more engagement so that they're covered by everybody from E to Complex just because, hey, look, they're making a whole lot of noise about him. That means he's newsworthy. Sometimes you got to let people be irrelevant. And I really wish we had left him there. Right. He definitely he, he, he definitely deserves a spot in that club. And not only so, Raina Jones left a comment via LinkedIn. She says, is he saying white? <laughs> Please explain. Do, do you want to explain? What is chess? Yes, that's what she's saying, Raina. He's saying that this is the summer that's going to be all about. And it's not just regular white boys. He was calling out the white boys with the swag, right? The white boys who try to talk and look a certain way. That's what, what he's what saying. Swag? But what swag? Jobby got swag. Look, I'm not. <laughs> Jobby no, got swag. Okay? Sure, him, but Shet Hanks has swag. Like, really? He's trying. Right. He's, he's trying. Failed. But I think, honestly, I think the more important question should be is it going to be a hot boy summer or is it going to be a hot girl summer? And I only say that because, you know, uh, uh, Sweetie and Quavo just broke up. And then we also know uh -huh. that. Um, but on the other side of things, uh, JT from the City Girls, she's cuffed up with uh, Uzi right now. They tweet about the love fest. And then you have Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, she's cuffed up with Partisan. So um, I guess we, in, in helping make Chet a little irrelevant, we can redirect the convo and see who the, the real important questions about who is going to be a hot boy summer or a hot girl summer. <laughs> it's going to be you. a hot everybody summer. Everybody right, right, right. tired of COVID. <laughs> Everybody wants to run around unmasked or with, hopefully with masks, but everyone wants to run around and do yeah, whatever they want. So it's going to be a hot people summer. I don't know about all that. But let's keep it going. Go ahead, Enqua. So the NCAA has come under fire this week and even last week because of the inequity that was involved in the Women's National Basketball Tournament. Included in that is a movement started by three athletes from the Big Ten, one of the biggest conferences in collegiate sports, with a movement for the hashtag not NCAA property. There has been a lot of talk over the last three years, especially about the control of student athletes and their name, image, and likeness, which the NCAA has total control of. Besides the fact that while these athletes, especially for men's basketball, women's basketball, and college football, they do receive full scholarships, but they in turn are becoming revenue makers and have been revenue makers for their universities to the tunes of millions of dollars with the inability to cash in on everything that they've put forward. With that being said, the NCAA Board of Governors recently gave Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, a vote of confidence for how he's handled everything. Unsurprising? Of course. But what's your take on it? Go ahead, Kai. I mean, <clears throat> I, I feel like we can, we'll be saying this uh, all day today, but I'm not surprised. Um, I, we, 
this conversation has been going on for, for, for a long time. These conversations, there's several conversations back to that. But um, I do believe that uh, in the era we in the era that we're in, um, even stepping outside of sports, but just like culturally, a lot of things are being reevaluated, um, revised finally, uh, whether it's from um, uh, statues of slave owners being torn down in places to uh, the, the, the laws and, and um, from in, in states to the laws, um, the rules and regulations of different colleges. But I do think uh, specifically to the um, NCAA, um, I, I do believe within the next five years, we're gonna see a drastic change in how athletes are perceived, how they're allowed, how they're allowed to utilize their image. Um, and uh, it will be one of those things that when it finally happens, People are going to be like, wow, it took this long for this to happen kind of thing. Well, we'll definitely have to see. I hope so. I mean, I, I just don't understand like that. Like the nonprofit, the organization makes a billion dollars. Like, I don't understand why these student athletes are making these schools so much money. Um, can't use their image and their likeness to make a profit. Like, I, I just, to me, just like the logic is a little off. So, like, I don't follow sports that closely, but I'm just like, you know, one plus one equals two. What's the issue? I mean, the big argument in collegiate sports especially is that the brand is about the university, right? No one, they, the argument is largely that, oh, nobody would care about so-and-so if he didn't play at Duke, if he didn't play at UCLA, if he didn't play at North Carolina. But the fact of the matter is that Zion Williamson would have been Zion Williamson if he didn't go to Duke. Right. If you even want to take it further, Michael Jordan would have been Michael Jordan if he did not go to UNC. While there is a level of cachet that these programs bring to the table, it is nothing without the student athletes. So Rachel Johnson chimed in with a great comment via Facebook. She says, legalize exploitation on your on our young men and women and their families that want success in getting out of poverty and oppression. Inqua, would you call it legalized exploitation? It's a catch-22 because she is right because of the fact that these young men and women are on national TV and really don't get much to show for it. On the other side of that, there is the fact that it is an opportunity to get an education for free. I think that's something that sometimes is neglected in the conversation, especially since outside of the other sports, the big three that I just talked about, a lot of the other student athletes are either getting partial scholarships or no scholarships at all, depending on the program. But considering the fact that when these athletes make these billions of dollars, the coaches get paid, the ADs get paid, and yet they don't see a dime. So there is definitely a level of exploitation there. Mm. Well, we'll have to leave it there and you know continue to just switch gears a bit. Kai, we'll throw it over to you to talk about what is going on in hip hop. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so since you said hip hop, let's start with hip hop. We got some pop news today, also. Um, so first, I'm pretty sure we all know Bobby Murder is home. Um, the rapper, Brooklyn Bread rapper, known for uh, one of the biggest songs of the past, uh, uh, I'd say five, ten years. Um, um, hot, uh, can I say the name of the song? Oh, oh, if you want, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. 
<laughs> I should ask that earlier, but uh, yeah, so uh, Bobby Snowden's biggest hit was Hot Nigga a few years ago, had us all doing the dance, shmoney dance, had us all throwing a hat up in the sky, hoping that it would uh, fall where it needed to fall. Um, so he did some time, he was caught up in a lot of um, illegal things, him and his crew, uh, he served six years. Um, he came, um, he was released uh, earlier this month. And uh, now the, um, the breakdown, the details rather of his uh, parole situation have been uh, released. Uh, so there's a, f a few things in there that uh, people like Wendy Williams and a, a couple of, um, a bit of the chat on Twitter um, has focused on is can he even, will he be able to maintain um, these strict uh, rules? Uh, so some of the, they, they include rather things like no alcohol. Um, I believe he can't be at bars. Um, of course, no gang affiliation. Um, so that's tied into one of the things he got uh, locked up for. Um, he has an 8 p.m. curfew. Uh, he has to submit like uh, substance abuse um, testing. Uh, he has to do counseling for aggression, uh, aggression and anger. Um, they have those separate. So I wonder how that works out. Um, and then he also, this is probably my favorite part. He needs to make sure that he's seeking employment or that he's employed uh, um, for the next, I believe for the next five years. Um, so I, I guess I, I give you guys that information and, and you guys knowing uh, Bobby Schmurter, uh is Bobby gonna be able to, to survive these uh, strict rules or not? Nah. Here's what I think, because I just feel like they are setting this young man up to fail. He's a rapper. First of all, like the, the amount of work he does, the, the way to get paid, like, uh, well, before COVID, they would have to tour. There's no way you can work in this industry and not be out at night because that's when concerts happen and nightlife is a big part of just building your brand. Like, it, it, it's something like, it, these rules and restrictions are, are detrimental, not only for someone who's young, but someone who's in the hip hop industry. And I just feel like, you know, the police departments have... A, a notorious record of targeting people in hip hop and making sure that they're set up to fail. So look, I'm hoping and praying the best for Bobby. There's a video of him where he actually turned down a drink at a nightclub because he, you know, he's trying to take these restrictions seriously, but it's a matter of time. Like we saw what happened to Meek Mills. He popped the William and back to jail. So, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. And Kwa, you're on mute. Go ahead. Not only is it ridiculous, it's unrealistic. You know, it goes back, Selena, to what you were saying about what it means to actually be an artist in this industry. It is impossible to go to any of those places where he can actually make money and not be exposed to any of that. And I know it's tempting to say, oh, it's about discipline or it's about this or it's about that. It doesn't matter. Because now you've put this young man in a position where you're going to say, oh, get a job. So Bobby Schmurter is just going to go, what, work at McDonald's? He's not a regular guy. He's just not. He's Bobby Schmurter. He's going to be Bobby Schmurter. And these rules, don't let him be Bobby Schmurter. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. So I, I guess you guys don't think he'll, he'll, make it, uh, he'll make it past the parole? Oh, he'll make it. Okay. Nobody wants to go back to jail. He'll make it. I just think that what they're making him do is just not appropriate. Agreed. Agreed. Right. <laughs> and next up in pop news, uh, like I said earlier, with hip hop, now we got a little bit of pop. 
Um, so the Pop Prince, uh, some people disagree with that, but uh, Pop Prince, Justin Bieber, he just released his latest album. Um, it's been getting pretty solid reviews. Um, anybody who's been following uh, Justin over the past, probably like the past three or four years, um, uh, know that he's been on a, I think Rolling Stone called it like a, a righteous path, but like the music, the lyrics, there's uh, not much of the lyrics, but some of the lyrics, um, the videos, um, even his narrative on social, uh, he, he supports um, different initiatives and he's vocal about his support. Um, he's started different conversations about like the lack of support for black culture, the lack of appreciation for black culture, about how he has benefited so much from black culture. Um, he's been one of the big voices about uh, just uh, uh, presenting R&B as R&B and, and not as pop. Um, he's gotten flack for that also. Um, whole nother combo but uh so uh, uh pop uh the righteous pop prince uh justin bieber released his latest album is called justice and um on it he includes two uh clips of of uh speeches from martin uh, the dr martin luther king um and he's gotten i would say some flack for it uh the the one clip is i'm um, at the beginning of the album and then uh another is an actual interlude on the album um, so of course, Twitter has been chopping him up. Um, does he have the right to 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 use it? Is he um, with him being somebody who is a privileged in a privileged position? Does he really identify with um, the ideology or, or, or the narrative of what MLK spoke to? Especially with the speeches um, on, on like the more uh, critical side, some have argued that the, the speeches don't really speak to the album. Uh, it's it's a love album. It's talking about marriage, and, and, and um, it's, it's, the content is definitely great content, but it doesn't speak to the righteousness that the, the, the two um, speeches um, speak to. So he's been getting a little, like I said, chopped up on the internet for for including it. So I pose the question to you guys: um, How do you feel about Justin including these MLK speeches um, on the album? Well, I say it's if he wants to, you know, quote Martin Luther King. You know, kudos to him, but the way he's doing it, it feels like he's misusing it. Like, for instance, uh, in one part where Dr. King is saying injustice any, every, anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. After he says that, that, then Justin just goes into a love song dedicated to his wife called Too Much. So it's like, what's the context, right? And then he plays another part of the clip, as you just said, Kai. And then he's just talking about like love and which is great. Look, I love his relationship with Hailey Bieber, but why are you misusing Dr. King's quotes? It just doesn't make sense. It, it, it feels like he's misusing the quotes for his own justice, right? If you've been following Justin Bieber's career, we know that he had a very tumultuous uh, teenage years in the public spotlight, but he was a brat. He really was like, he was like fighting fans and cursing people out. He was a brat. And now he's trying to redeem himself. And it kind of feels like the justice he's seeking is for himself. You hear on this album, nowhere on this album, do you hear him talking about, you know, black lives matter or liberation or freedom. It's like, he wants the justice. And I'm like, bro, like you up there, you up there with Chet Hanks right now with this white boy summer because you're trying to make everything about you. <laughs> I just, I just want to understand what the thought process was. Like, did he think that putting clips of Martin Luther King Jr. in there means that more black people are going to listen to him? Well, just Did to he add think that he was going to be 
a tribute to Dr. King, despite the fact that there was no context there. Look, everything about this is confusing to me. Maybe it's just because I don't put anything past anybody anymore. But this is just, it's nonsensical. It makes no sense why he would do this. And it doesn't further his cause. It doesn't further any of the causes that Dr. King sp stood for or spoke about either. Like, it's just a reach for publicity again. And it's enough, yo, enough. I would say like, I, I slightly, slightly disagree. I definitely don't think Justin should be in a chat um, uh, in that box. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to uh, send check on his way. Um, Cause uh, one of the things just add, I guess maybe not, but add a little bit of context. Uh, Justin did speak on using uh, um, the MLK, MLK speeches. And he did say it, um, part of it was to uh, like amplify the voice of MLK. He said that um, him being Canadian, he didn't, uh, he wasn't as educated on um, MLK and all that MLK was um, until he got a little older. So for him, this was a way to like amplify the voice or at least introduce the voice to a, a generation. Um, or maybe not even just a new generation, but uh, just a new region, uh, just a new group of people who um, aren't uh, as privy as, as us Americans. Um, I, I don't think it was a complete publicity jump because um, his last two albums have been like his least, like first week wise, his least selling. Like he used to be like a, a monster, like go, go gold in a week. And now he's doing like a hundred K. So his career isn't necessarily benefited from these kind of moves. Um, uh, so I don't know if it was a publicity stunt. I, I think his, 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 his heart might be in the right place. Um, I guess another question, if I, if I can ask is, uh, is there like a, 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 I guess, where does the line get drawn from, from, cause like we had Chet earlier, who's clearly trolling and shouldn't be given any sort of attention for the stuff he's talking about. You have someone like Justin who feels like he has a voice, a platform to share, um, things that he wasn't, uh, I guess, educated on kind of thing. Um, but he's getting flagged for it. Cause it's like, is he even in the right. position to do that? So what's your thoughts well, on that, I guess? The, well, here, here's the line for me. And before I answer that, I actually want to go to Pam Matthews' comment via LinkedIn. Pam says, white privilege makes you do foolish things. Educate yourself first. And to answer your question, Kai, I think that's the issue here. I just feel like it's a lack of education. Justin has spoke on the record saying that growing up in, in Canada, he was not really exposed to Dr. King. And now he is doing you know, due diligence and research to educate himself about the civil rights struggle here in America. But I do, again, I feel like it's being misplaced. Like he wants to raise awareness. And I know um, Kimberly, um, she left a comment on Facebook saying, could it be that he wanted to bring more awareness? That's how I took it. You want you can raise awareness, but again, you have to do it in an appropriate fashion that makes sense, that doesn't make you look like you're just profiting off of this man's words. Because again, throughout the whole album, I don't feel black liberation. I don't feel, you know, you know, some type of call for freedom and you know, like and an end of oppression. You know, you know, reviews are saying that most of the album is dedicated to his wife and it's about him. So why are you using this word, these, you know, Dr. King's words, if this is about you and in addition to that right i am still i'm still trying to figure out how a pop star who has been in the limelight for over a decade 
doesn't have the right people around him to actually facilitate what he was trying to do. Because if that was his goal, then it was sloppily done. And even so, is Justin Bieber really somebody I want talking about black liberation under any circumstance? No, never. Wow. That being said, we could talk about Justin all day. Um, I still like his music, disclaimer, but he didn't have to do that with the Malcolm, with, with Martin Luther King. Like, figure it out, Justin. Anyway, that being said, thank you, Kai, for bringing up those two stories and bringing it to our attention. We are going to just switch gears to, uh, if you're already, you know, pretty hyped up, I think you're going to get just as, you know, upset, just like I am, because it's time to talk about the recent cheating scandal that has sent shockwaves throughout the black community and sparked innumerable memes, videos, comments, and talks on Clubhouse. There was this one room about Derek Jackson for over 24 hours on Clubhouse. And of course I was in it. Um, for those of you who don't know, J Derek Jackson is a popular social media relationship expert and author who happens to be a married Christian man who has been exposed as a serial cheater by a woman he is said to have known for 10 years. Now, on March 22nd, Jackson and his wife, Danita Jackson, they went on Instagram to openly discuss his transgressions. Let's play a clip of Danita and Derek Jackson talking about this whole controversy on Instagram. But the truth is, and I'm saying it here now, is that Derek Jackson was involved with other women outside the marriage. And by involved, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just casually kicking it, maybe a lunch or something like that. I'm talking about as serious as sex um, to sexual flirtation and, and meeting up and that kind of thing. And some things that otherwise may be considered okay by some in terms of like just chatting or, or checking on people or being checked on by people that I've had a previous encounter with. Um, but without my wife's knowledge of it and with us having a sexual history, all of it falls under the umbrella of inappropriate, cheating, affair, stepping out, um, def definitely not in alignment with the vows that I took um, and definitely not in alignment with the biblical standard of what it means to be faithful, which is the standard that I'm going by now. So that was a little clip of Derek Jackson, you know, talking about himself in third person. Um, and if you watch the whole thing, it just kind of felt like gaslighting. Like he was like, you know, we had sexual encounter, like the way he was just phrasing it, sexual flirtation, like, bro, like you've been cheating. And it's not just like one time. It's been 10 years reportedly. Um, so that being said, he goes on to explain the whole, you know, miss the, the misconduct on his part. He talks about God. He talks about redemption. Um, but for a lot of us, it didn't feel really authentic. Now, in addition to this, as shocking as these details are, um, Recently, it appears that another woman has come forward and adding her two cents to Jackson's dirty laundry. Another alleged side chick claimed that Derek was filming his famous car videos outside of her home and that she even had contact with him on March 18th. That was what, last week or two weeks ago? The mistress also claimed that she was pregnant with his baby. Um, so again, this is a deeply intimate relationship. It's not all just sexual flirtation. Um, 
And I think the reason why, you know, this is a conversation that we're having in our group chats and all over social media is because a lot of us feel betrayed, especially black women, because that was his targeted audience, right? He was peddling a product of self-love and healthy relationships, but he turned out to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So a lot of us feel like, hey, you know, I paid for the book. I read the book. I paid for his course. I broke up with my man listening to Derek Jackson. And now look, he was cheating this whole time. So we have a lot to talk about and to, to have this conversation, we are actually inviting Be Heard's very own Stanley Fritz to the conversation. Um, Stanley, I wanna just throw it to you first. What was your reaction to the controversy? Well, this is the last time I'm gonna wear my black men don't cheat hoodie because Derek messed it up for all of us. So no more this, Selena. No more this. <laughs> um, you know, it's a pot calling the kettle black. But two things can be true. Derek could have given good relationship advice and still be a hypocrite and a narcissist and ashy and a clout chaser and an embarrassment to his wife and his family. Well, expand on that a little bit, Stanley, because you're saying that he's giving good relationship advice even though he's trash at his own relationship. How does that go? That's very simple because like the, the fundamental principles of a relationship are communication, accountability, honesty, and humility. And you, anyone can teach those things. That doesn't mean you gotta practice it. You know, Donald Trump was talking about Christian values and putting kids in cages and blowing up other countries. Like anybody can do that. So I'm not surprised that, that this man has done that. The thing that bothers me the most is the lengths that he's gone to not only embarrass his wife and his family, but then clearly build clout off of this. This is a man I can't respect. So Pam Matthews left a comment. Uh, she says via LinkedIn, hypocrisy is never excuse for inappropriate behavior. I agree with you there. Uh, Unqua, uh, what did you think about his apology uh, in particular? Um, do you think it was gaslighting? Hold on, Anqua, you're on mute. Go ahead now. He didn't apologize. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I know we're live, and I know that um, I would like to avoid using non-air-friendly words here, but that apology wasn't an apology. It was total BS. The fact that he sat up there with his wife next to him, almost like a crutch to fix his face to say, I did this, and, you know... I'm sorry, but God is going to forgive me and there's more coming back from this. Like, no, there was no actual contrition in his words. And the sad part about it is it bothered me more that he actually went into detail about what he did because it's not us he has to answer to. It's God and his wife. And yet we're all a part of this because there's something else that he wants to give or some other reaction that he does want to bring out of his intended audience. So yeah, it's sad. So Antoinette Cook left a comment via Facebook. He says, she says, Derek better be careful cause she looked like if she, she looked like she can snap on him, it's all over. But the shouting, just look at her continence. Thank you for pointing that out because I think for a lot of us during the apology video, his wife looks so uncomfortable, Danita. And I actually been doing a lot of digging into, you know, 
her public persona and what she's been putting out, if you guys go down her Instagram rabbit hole, and I suggest you don't, um, she's put out a lot of disturbing content. Now, I haven't seen her directly call out Derek, but she said for 10 years, she had to watch another woman have sex with someone that she felt very like deeply for and that she started comparing herself and that like it, it basically like reading this account which was very disturbing it sounded like my assumption was did Derek force his wife to watch him have sex with somebody else to sort of like try to teach, teach her because she talks about how obsessed she became with this woman and how bad she felt about herself. Then, you know, in some other videos I was watching about um, Zanita, it looked like she may have, you know, some type of uh, disturbance. Um, she suffered from trauma. She's talked about rape. And now she's going through this with Derek Jackson on a public a public display. It's so sad. It's so sad. I can go on and on. But Kai, I want to get your voice in here because you told me offline that it's people who are giving Derek too much power and that, you know, it's the consumers that are just feeding too much into him. Do you think consumers should take responsibility for putting Derek on a pedestal? Um, well, absolutely. I should answer uh, completely because, uh, so I'm of course not familiar with him prior to the scandal. Um, and then once I find out a little bit about him, I'm like, okay, so he starts blogging after his mess ups uh, led to him losing his college and his high school sweetheart. Um, and then like he worked on himself, they worked together and then they built their, their lives after that. Um, so to see uh, years down the line this happening, it's like, okay, how he started his career, um, he's, 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 he's the same, maybe maybe not the same person, because no one just just the same, but, um, so I'm not, I say that to say, I'm not surprised that someone who started a career off mistakes um, will make a mistake. Uh, he's written like a bunch of books, so I know that there's gonna be another book. Like if I'm not mistaken, not, uh, the book is actually called Achieving Man's Heart, um, so he speaks on, and then I, I watched, not many, I'm not going to act like I know a lot about the guy, but I watched a few of the videos and he's like a, he, it don't seem like he perpetuates a perfect image. It seems like the, he breaks down the rights and wrongs in relationships on like the, from things that women should look out for it in, in terms of a bad mate right. on their end, things that guys should look out so um, so You see what you're saying? So he described. Um, it sounds like I, you're saying he described himself. You're, you're breaking up. Saying, I said it sounds like to me he's describing himself. He's saying, "Hey, ladies, these are the traits you need to look out for for a bad man," and he's actually talking about himself. If you listen to the 30-minute creepy apology video, and you listen to the wife speak, it's very obvious to me that he's a serial cheater, and this has been going on for quite some time. This is not new to her, and that might explain why she is that way. And I just think it's very like, listen, there's nothing wrong with being imperfect. There's nothing wrong with being in process. There's nothing wrong with using your that your your mistakes and the places you've fallen short to like try to teach other people to do it. But there's a difference between trying to use your mistakes to help educate others and trying to use a certain brand so you can make money off of it. Over the last two, three years now, it's become really popular for men to talk about patriarchy, to talk about sexism, to talk about healthy relationships, and then model none of the things that they talk about. And those are the dudes who want to make believe that they are allies, but they're actually violating and disrespecting women. If you listen to his wife, she said, 
the, the reason I came back to him was because he changed. Before, I didn't have a voice. I didn't have a say in anything. And now he's letting me have a say. What? He would just do whatever he wanted to do, and I would just find out about it. Now, listen, I don't know Derek. I don't know his wife. And I'm not going to criticize because I'm not going to go after somebody who got stabbed in the back and is trying to figure out a way to heal themselves. But that man sounds like an abuser. And the um, worst part about it is that we saw this even take place in the reaction video to his apology in the third person. What kind of sociopathic behavior is that? And within that video, he excused himself. He absolved himself. Selena talked about at the top of the segment how he posited himself to be a Christian man. And yet there's Christian. no humility. There's no actual contrition. There's no humility. There's no way for him to even think of saying, you know what? He was wrong here. Everything was about, you know, I'm glad he took accountability. I'm glad he did this. I'm glad he did that. He patted himself on the back for serially abusing and cheating on his wife. What a disgrace. But that's a relationship with two people. And if the if his wife left him after she found out that he was cheating and decided to go back because she felt that like he did whatever he needed to do to be what she needed him to be. Um, I don't think that's any of our place. Like I don't think we're the harborers of like who's on what side of right and wrong kind of thing. Um so that for, for that part, but in terms of like Everything else, it, he he sells books and he sells content. This is content for him, I think. And like in other industries, uh, images are created. Like Beyonce was created as a perfect right. image. So, so Kai, just to clarify, are you saying that you know he's a content creator and we're being too quick to judge? Not that we're being too quick, but yes, in, in certain instances, absolutely. We are absolutely, because people are saying he's abusing her, and I, I, until she tells us these things are going on, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. So yes, we are absolutely uh, jumping too quick uh, to judge. But beyond okay. that, in terms of the hoopla around like him, because people, because uh, one of the questions is like, like people feel like he let them down, or people feel like he betrayed them, and my thing is he's a content creator. Like you guys, the same way people listen to podcasts, like if Joe Rogan go do some craziness, people don't be like, oh, how could he do that? Like they only check him for whatever they get from that podcast. So for me, this guy isn't like the Pope, nor is he like a, he's a, a guy who started blogging and people, and he, he's, he, he uh, like my female friends are familiar with him because he's an attractive man. So that also, can play a role into like why people might right. want to pay attention. That doesn't so, mean he uh, is the harbor of. Stanley, does yeah. the responsibility fall on consumers here to Kai's point? Well, I mean, yes and no. But at the same time, you know, to kind of respond to Kai's point from earlier, if you have somebody who says they're a doctor and they're a successful surgeon, and then you find out they botched a hundred surgeries, and then they go on on social media and start talking about Jesus and how they mess up, but it ain't happening no more. But then the pride, like the people they work with is like, yeah, but it happened a lot before, but I forgive them. Would you have some thoughts? Cause this man positions himself as a relationship expert. This man positions himself as somebody you should listen to. And then he had a very egregious fall from grace. So that's the first problem. Then the next problem is this man has caused deep harm to his wife and his family and then put it on social media. 
So we get the judge because he put himself on the Summer Jam screen, but did not even apologize, did not say how he was going to correct his behavior, did not hold accountability, and it stood there for 30 minutes talking about how God touched him and God is this and God is that. And now listen, he could be doing the work to improve as a husband, and if his wife wants and to stay with him, business, that's her choice. But as somebody who's in the public, responding to a very public case of infidelity, that this man then amplified even more through a 30-minute video than a seven-minute video. So folks who didn't want to watch a full 30 minutes could watch seven minutes. And then a reaction video? Like, at that point, this is not about accountability. This is about you getting likes and clicks and selling books. And you know who's going to suffer from that? His kids. That same kid that he had to stop talking on the camera for to go check on, when that kid is old enough to get on the internet, they're going to find out their daddy was cheating on their mother all over the streets and then had her on IG Live and YouTube Live and all of this stuff holding his hand and giving him cover. Like, So if we want to talk about like gender roles and, and masculinity, and I think gender is a construct, but that's not man business. A real man well, do that. Well, let's actually talk about that, Stanley, because gender role, hold on, Kai, gender roles definitely do come into play here. And, you know, you know, Stanley, you mentioned a lot how he has called for forgiveness and redemption. You know, he's calling on the name of Jesus, you know, for forgiveness. And his wife said in the video, I forgive him. And she made a follow up video saying that Jesus is saving him or can save him, something to that effect. Um, Inqua, to me, this kind of feels like almost very uncomfortable, number one, and almost a reflection of what happens not a little too often for my comfort in the black church. Do you think that, you know, this situation is a bad reflection of the church? And, and do you also think that, you know, Derek Jackson is maybe a reflection of black men in the church, black Christian men? You know, the sad part about it, Selena, is that we in the church have really bastardized what grace really means like we have taken it to mean that because of god's grace we can do whatever we want and when we align that within the patriarchy that does exist in the black church it is an accurate reflection because he felt like he had the the moral high ground to continue to do these things and the fact that he could then say god has forgiven him without providing any proof of accountability to us the public or even to his wife because sometimes when you watch a couple act in public you can tell when things are off or not off but even if we want to ex escape conjecture completely we have to really take a hard look at ourselves and what we as black men allow ourselves to do in the church. Accountability is super, super important. And the lack thereof makes this more tragic than it should be. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I know, Stanley, when you were speaking, you spoke, you touched on the gender roles, you touched on the toxic masculinity. And, you know, there is some there are some ways that that also shows up in the black church very, very often. Um, what do you think about that? You know, well, Selena, you know that I am not the fondest of the church in general. Um, I like to think I'm indifferent to it at this point. But one of the challenges I have with the church is that it's strong emphasis on having women submit to their men and quote unquote follow the lead of their men, whether those men are qualified, whether those men are deserving, whether those men actually have anything to lead you to. 
And this very much lands as like this woman trying to be a good wife and follow the steps of Christ. And the black church particularly, which, you know, before I decided that I was, you know, wasn't gonna live that life, emphasizes uplifting men, forgiving men, making space for men in a way that they don't make space for women. So once you say you have been absolved, you are absolved and that is it. And so it is said, so it shall be. But no, it ain't because that woman is hurt and those kids are traumatized. And, you know, we really got to shift the way that we look at masculinity. We really got to shift the way that we look at accountability because just because you have sexual urges does not mean you have to act on them. Men can have sexual discipline as well. Mm. And to well, even if I can add something to that, we talk about the role of manhood and what it means to raise a family and what it means to actually train up a child in the way that he or she or they should go. And yet we've seen no evidence that that's actually a priority for him. Because as Stanley said, a lot of excuses are made for men when they have other families, when they're not home, when they provoke their kids instead of actually listening to them and raising them, when they choose to dominate their wives instead of actually loving her as Christ loves the church. We need to get back to that. Well, well said there. Um, Kai, I definitely want to get your voice back into the conversation because, you know, to, I think that you represent a lot of us who are very like dismissive towards it, um, who, who think like, hey, we're giving him too much attention. Um, on the other side, the flip side to that is, yeah, but he's, you know, reflective or, rep or he symbolizes a lot of the hurt and pain that black women, black Christian women in particular feel subjected to, especially those of us who are trying to live, you know, according to the Bible um, and according to certain standards. So Kai, like, what, what is your take on everything? Uh, I think those people should find solace in like real Christian leaders or whatnot. Um, but I, I, like even speaking to the toxic masculinity uh, part of it, um, I'm, I'm not uh, an expert um, in, in that concept at all. But just from the stuff that I've learned, it's, it's like uh, a man is supposed to be manly and not supposed to uh, admit when he did the wrong thing. Um, a man isn't supposed to uh, um, uh, be expressive and, and open up emotionally, those kind of things. And it seems like uh, throughout his career, Derek has kind of shown those sorts of things. Um, uh, and this, him having a mess up, a public mess up, him being a public person living kind of his life in the public um, world uh, allows people to respond to everything, the good and the bad kind of thing. So I feel like if I was somebody, one of the people we, uh, we spoke about earlier that uh, attached to his image or, or uh, 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 the, what he presents as opposed to being a real human. Um, to me, this is a part of why I would buy the next book. Because if, 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 I, if I came along in the beginning and you were a, a cheater or whatever, and that's what got me into you as a fan, then this will keep me into you as a fan. If, if people were looking at him as the savior of their relationships, once again, I don't think him making a mistake uh, takes away from anything that, if, if he gave you good advice, take the good advice and, and, and be thankful that you got good advice. But I don't think you should, if, if you've got good advice, you should say, well, a bad person, he's not right. a bad person. I don't know how to call him a bad person, but a person who did something wrong gave me good advice. Let me not. 
I think for I think for many of us, and you know, I, somebody wrote about this on Essence. I think for for many Black women, they don't feel like they can no they no longer they no longer feel like they can buy into his brand because we know it's inauthentic. Like we know that everything he's preaching and the guys that he's bashing, he's really talking about himself. So, like to your point, you know, you have someone who is a great orator. But if you're not walking the walk, then get off the podium. Like, I, I just don't want to hear from you. Um, that's my take on that. We actually do have to begin to start wrapping up this conversation. Um, but before we do, uh, Enqua, um, what needs to be done so that Black women in particular aren't being preyed upon when it comes to, like, you know, different products or different, you know, peddlers of these type of messages what needs to be done so our black women instead are uplifted and protected in the community honestly it really starts with listening and it starts with listening intentionally i have learned through trial and error that there are so many opportunities to have conversations with our women but the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we actually listening to understand where she's coming from and what she's trying to say? Or are we trying to immediately respond and defend ourselves regardless? But I don't think anything can start to be done unless we as men make sure that we listen. Thank you. And, you know, Stanley, I want to get your final words on just, you know, you touched upon using Christian values as a way to gaslight. Uh, what needs to, what advice would you give from afar to those of us who are still in the church about just equality uh, and protecting black women? If you are a lover of Jesus, these ideas they teach you about just completely submitting to a man, zero accountability, do as I say, not as I do, that goes against everything Jesus Christ wanted. Jesus would not support that. That's for the Christian folks. And you can feel free to roll your eyes because I'm definitely a proud atheist. Having said that, to go back to Derek, listen, no one is perfect. We will all end up on that summer jam screen at one point or another for the mistakes that we made. Our lives are defined by mistakes, but it's also defined by what we do after those mistakes. Whether you're willing to stand up and be accountable and change your behavior, whether you dig in and hold strong, or like in this case, whether you try to use it as an opportunity to make money. The fact of the matter is Derek Jackson, whatever his name is, can give good relationship advice, but it's also true that he cheated on his wife with multiple women now. And according to that 30 minute video, he cheated on her multiple times in 2016 before they were even married. So this is not a case of a simple mistake. This is a mistake, of, this is a situation of a pattern. And if we're not willing to call out patterns and hold people accountable, you will continue to create universes where there are men like this who think they can say and do whatever they want because people will always forgive them. And that is a much larger thing we're facing here. There are too many men who have bad behavior, exhibit bad behavior, and we forgive them because the church and Jesus told you to, because a woman's supposed to follow by her man, or because boys will be boys. And we've got to break that cycle because every time a Derek Jacks gets away with this, there's another young boy who's watching that, and now he thinks it's okay to repeat this behavior. And the only people who suffer when this happens are women. And as you can see right here, black women, and I'm not for that. Kai, we're actually running out of time. We have about 10 seconds left, but I want to get your final thoughts in about 10 seconds on just the whole Derek Jackson scandal and toxic masculinity. Look out for that next book. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, Kai, for keeping it short. And I just want to wrap things up because, you know, the deeper we dig into this, 
I think the more we see ourselves, um, the fact that Derek Jackson, again, he pur purported to be something um, this holier than thou type of character. He was ca constantly blasting and putting down other men, black men in particular. And then he turned out to be that person. And for a lot of times, for a lot of us, that's, you know, how we like to operate, right? We, we want to pretend to be something. We should be put on our best faces at work. And, you know, we're completely different people at home. You know, we go to family functions and we act like we're the family man and a family woman. And then when we're in our own homes, how do we treat our family? So I think that this lesson, the lesson learned here for me is about walking in authenticity, right? Do not pretend to be one thing when you know you are living a lie because whatever is done in the darkness will be brought to light. And you don't want to be the next Derek Jackson. So get it together, especially if you're you're pushing these messages and making profit off of it. And in my opinion, preying on black women and vulnerable people who are gobbling this up. You will get caught. There's only a, a, a certain amount of time that these wolves in sheep clothing will keep walking around. It's going to come off. The mask is definitely going to come off. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for chiming in to Be Her Talk today. If you liked what you saw or, or, or and want to support us so that we can support your causes and your messages, please buy us a coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com and that support that you give will continue to keep us uh, on the air and doing what we do, supporting your causes. We will not be back for next sunday because it is resurrection sunday but we will see you guys all in two weeks so we'll see you then Bye.